Hi, this is Kevin Eastman, co-creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and publisher of Heavy Metal Magazine. The only thing I like more than Justin Bieber is Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily! It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess, and we will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Bye by Saturday night. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of Area 51's recording of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. It's another podcast night here, guaranteed to be a gross waste of electrons uh, with no excess carbon emissions, and uh, you're going to get to hear some stuff tonight. Uh, This is episode 499. It's mask mandate here in Area 51. Joining me tonight here in... uh, and a very sanitized uh, windowless room is Commander Cam. Cam, how are you doing tonight? You know, I never knew that I could just float effortlessly in a pool of liquid hand sanitizer. <laughs> it's an odd I, smell, isn't it? I love it. It feels so wonderful. It's well, we we got the we got the eucalyptus hand sanitizer, which I, I kind of like the smell of. It's it's not quite the the uh, industrial hand sanitizer. And uh, it, it it seems to not chafe as much as the industrial does. So I'm kind of digging it. And the only thing that's wrong with this room full of liquid sanitizer is that long tube extending up to the top. And every so often some comes squirting up through it and I lose a little bit. But, you know, I don't mind that because I'm just laying here on natural in this pool of a, a liquid fan sanitizer. And That's I love it. probably more visual than I needed. <laughs> to, be honest with you. <laughs> to be to to be totally honest with you, that's way more visual than I needed. Um, You're welcome. As as we're recording this, uh, it is the weekend of. Uh, Dragon Con in Atlanta. Atlanta, yeah, I think it is. And our guest tonight is one of the featured guests at Dragon Con, or as we call him, Mr. Podium, Garen Witted. Garen, welcome back to Sci-Fi Saturday Night, my friend. Hi, guys. How you doing? Oh, well, I've been better, but then again, you know, I'm not floating naked in a vat of hand sanitizer like Commander Cam is. I, I, I would argue that you're doing better. <laughs> <laughs> I I just I'm just gonna go with that. Just like nope, nope, you're doing fine. We're got worries about him, but okay, you're fine. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that more more than you know. And and uh, the the commander here is is going to talk to you a little bit uh, about uh, one of your science fiction books, uh, Luna. And then I I would really really like to talk to you about Dragon Con. But oh, absolutely, point, sure. I, I am gonna talk. I'm gonna turn the microphone and and the hand sanitizer over to the commander uh, to talk to you about Luna. 
Yes, Commander, you're right. You're wrong. Which means that I have to get I have to, have to get out of the pool. I think I can do that for this book. I and and please so put the, please put something presentable on. I had the, that's what the terry cloth robe is for, Dome. All right. <laughs> It's it, it's 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 fine. I'm wearing my Doctor Who bathrobe, lounging in a hotel. It's 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 cool. I don't Thank mind. You. Thank there you. Thank you are. for understanding. So tonight we are, will be talking with Garen about his his book Luna. So when last we when last we spoke with Garen, we were talking about Dragon Hunters, which is his fantasy uh, novel which then resulted in a very long set of email conversations between Garen and I as to whether the main character, Eric, in his book was a case of deus ex machina, the trickster of, uh, of legend, or possibly the origin of the hero quest from Joseph Campbell's Hero of a Thousand Faces. So I'm very interested to see where this discussion takes us after the podcast is over and where we, we are uh, discussing this on email. But I will say right off the bat that this was in a, a very interesting book, or as I told Dome when I tried to explain it to him, I said, think of it as Plato's Republic on the mood, which at which point I had to explain to Dome, I didn't mean Play-Doh, like the stuff you play with and make things out. Play-Doh as in the, uh, the guy from ancient Greece. You know, but it's it's a very interesting book. So let's uh, just uh, bring Garen in here to talk about it and maybe give us a little bit of a, a idea of a taste of what it's like. Garen? Uh, I'm guessing he's still there. Garen? Or guys, did we, or did we lose him along the way? Guys, hello. Oh, there we yeah, are. Did you? Where, where did where did I lose you in my long and, and very dull? No, no, I heard I heard you fine, and then suddenly there was a Garen. Are you there? Hello, hello. Can you hear me yet? Kind of thing going on. So okay, not uh -huh. sure what happened there. I am on the hotel Wi-Fi, so it it may not be a hundred percent. So. so so you, they, they may, may be, you know, with all these people, you know, playing various, you know, online gaming, you know, we, we might be having problems. So there, there could right. there could be a lot of Pokemon being captured right now. Exactly. Which is important. Yeah. <laughs> OK, yes. Yeah, you're probably right. But anyway, yes. <laughs> um, so uh, Luna is a straight up sci fi novel. OK, as, as you as you pointed out, there's no sci powers, there's no magic. Uh, it's all uh, near future technology. OK, we could do anything in that book that we wanted to spend the money on. OK, we shouldn't do everything in that book because the world ends on page one. Yep. Right. Right. Off, right off the bat. What do you do? I put I put six people in a spacecraft. It's headed for the moon. And then what? We just I destroy all life on Earth behind them. You know, I, th I thought that was a good way to begin it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> let, let, tell you what, I'm going to let you know where you stand right off the bat. <laughs> no questions, no worries. This is how it's going to play out, guys. Okay, we got that. No sweat. All right, there you are. Um, oh, what else? Uh, it, it, it's probably the most optimistic and cheerful post-apocalyptic novel I can think of. Agreed. Yeah. I, would, I mean <laughs> – 
Yeah, I mean, you could argue that The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is a post-apocalyptic novel because, hey, they blow up the Earth, right? But the action doesn't take place on the Earth, so it's not really, you know, an actual post-apocalyptic thing. It doesn't deal with, you know, the how do humans cope after we've done horrible things to ourselves. It's this poor schmuck gets sucked off the planet and the planet blows up behind him. I didn't blow up the actual planet. We just nuked each other and turned loose the bioweapons and all that kind of thing. Now we got people on the moon checking out this robot labor-built space lunar base thing going up there to do the, the shakedown and make sure it works. And boy, they're really hoping it works now. Because <laughs> there ain't no going back, boys and girls. You're stuck there. You paid for the you paid for it, you're living there. Yep, absolutely. What do you do? I jump out of the airplane. By the way, is this parachute packed correctly well it's a little late to ask <laughs> yep kind of a one-way thing it, there so yeah it's and i love it because at that beginning i mean I, of course you 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 begin it with the 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 necessary quote from rem it's the end of the world as i know it and i feel fine which i love thank you yeah but, it, it, it did kind of set the tone <laughs> yeah and then you you put them on the moon on this base, and you have you end up with five people on that base, five main characters, and I'm going to rattle them off right now. We have, and I'm going to get their ranks wrong, so I'm just going to leave the ranks out and just name them by their names. We have Carl right, right, Max, right. Carl Max, Kathy, Julie, and Ann are are uh, of the six that flew in, and you'll have to read the book to figure out what happened to that sixth individual. But of the six, those are the five that survived to make it to the moon. And mm-hmm. they settle in for what they think is a long haul. And that's where it gets interesting, because wh- one of the things that I loved about this and why I started thinking of Plato's Republic is when I read it, part of Plato's Republic was, OK, now he's theorizing this perfect little republic he's creating in his head, and he's inserting things into it and going, OK, now let's see what happens when I do this and do this. And this is what you did. You then proceeded to, you know, introduce little bits of problems. Yes, absolutely. You, you, at, in the initial phases, you've got these five people in an isolated area, knowing there's no hope that there's ever going to be any rescue. There's never going to be a human civilization again. It's all them, us five, no more. That's the end of it. Okay, uh, and then wait a minute, hold it. We built this base for. You know, a couple hundred people. It was supposed to be the core of like a like a lunar city, you know, that we could expand on. Well, the systems aren't really built to handle five people and only five people. So with this this vast region of hydroponic gardens that we were going to be using to uh, reoxygenate the entire city is going to die because we can't produce enough carbon dioxide. Okay, that's a problem. We'll burn stuff. Good plan. What are we going to do with all the excess plants? Uh, we'll burn them. Now, hang on. <laughs> Let's not get too ahead of ourselves here. How about the waste extraction plant? Yeah, that's not – it's kind of a constant flow thing, and we can't really – we were counting – never mind. Yeah, there's a problem in there. we got to come up with another way to do it. So they get a lot of technical problems, true. Um, yes. But I think uh, the, the, one of the biggest things about science fiction – is that or, – or any story for that matter. Uh, in science fiction, uh, the, the chief weakness is you can tend to focus on the technology a little too much. Okay, yes. what's, what's the really cool drive 
system? What's the really cool, you know, space guns with the pew, pew, pew? All right, cool. But uh, I think Star Trek, for example, uh, handles a lot of that really well in that they focus more on the people like you should because you've got interesting characters that you get to know and hopefully to love or at least to empathize with because it's all about the people. That's yeah. the key. That's the key to a good story. You got to have people. And that's one of the things I love about this is the instant you get those technological situations fixed and the people we end up sending up there luckily have a, a broad swath of knowledge so that they can come up with some good solutions. Then exactly. That was – yeah, that was their purpose in going up is to do the shakedown of the thing before we send a hundred or more people up there. You go make sure the robots got it right. Make sure it's working. Well, we've got some challenges to that because now we've only got those five, but. But yeah, and then and yeah. then, then then you you've you've got those things all shaken out. They figured out ways to kind of fix, you know, the fact that they don't have a population to support it. And mm -hmm. then you go as the as the the uh, the the gentleman standing over the uh, the uh, the uh, the ants in the terrarium and shining a little a little sunglass. Actually, more no, this is more say because you've already that sunglasses, but introducing some new ants to the uh, the collection because we <laughs> end up you know, going on a rescue mission. Yeah, yeah. Hang on a second. Are you telling me that these five people stranded here in Luna in the in the in the foundations of Luna City are going to go rescue somebody? Wait a second. <laughs> yes, it, that's your job now. Yeah. Wait, I'm going to what? We're rescuing someone? <laughs> I thought we were the. I, I thought we washed up on this beach and were stranded on this island forever. Yes. Now go rescue those people. You what? How? Well, okay, that's a whole different question and does involve some technical issues. Meanwhile, go rescue them. But, 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 nope, nope, go rescue. It's your job. How about it? <laughs> but it's interesting because no, no. one of the, because <laughs> one of the things you've done here that I think we've, we've kind of skipped over and you talk about the human issue. You're t also, and this is kind of human, it's kind of technical, is all of a sudden Carl, who is, I, I do remember he was a captain. And he's, he's kind of you – know, he is the one that's in charge of the entire group. Starts yep. thinking about the concept of, well, we're the last of the human race. We need to reproduce. It's an Which, issue. Yeah, well, it is. And, and that becomes one of the driving forces of this book is the fact that you need to make – we need to make sure that mankind continues. We are going to be the people – even before they realize there's other people they can rescue um, – they start they start trying to make plans to make sure that mankind continues just with the people they have there. We've got a genetic foundation of five people. Yes. Total. Yep. And we live well, like it or not, we now live on the moon, which is not known as a low radiation environment. It's a problem. Yep. During the day, sun, the, the sunlight is unfiltered by our atmosphere. It's not pleasant out there, okay? So we got to worry about not only uh, radiation damage, but we've also got to worry about the the limited amount of genetic material, the, the limited amount of genetic diversity that we have already. This is a problem because yep. uh, the the short term survival numbers, if I recall properly, uh, are mean. I think it's a minimum of 
50 people and the long-term viability of a population, I think the magic number is like 5,000. Yep. So you want to survive for a couple of generations on an island? You need at least 50 people. You want to found a nation that will survive independently for however long? A colony on another world? You need about 5,000 people. Ooh, I think we're a little short by about three orders of magnitude. Yeah. That's a problem. And it's, Carl, Carl's a naval captain. Oh, no, six. He's he's up there. He's responsible. He's got to think about the future and all that kind of thing. And he does. He he doesn't flinch. It's one of those. Okay, I'm now responsible for the uh, uh, human race. I can do this. I've makes, got it. And he makes some very tough decisions when he's oh. doing that. Yeah. Which? Oh yes, he does. Because one of the things, and I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, because but there's one of the things that's so brilliant, and uh, he, he creates a rule of a law based, at, and this is actually later in the story, but this mm-hmm. is one of the things that makes Carl such an amazing character, is he comes up with, actually, I'm going to wait on this, because this would make <laughs> a lot of sense until, you know what I'm going to say, and let's yeah, yeah. because we need to introduce a few more th- characters here, and that that's when we bring in, we have and you're going to have to help me. I don't know how to sell the name of that station. Oh, Tchaikovsky. Um, Thank you. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. All right. And it's a Russian do. station. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or I could just said Russian space station. There we go. The, yeah. The, yeah the, the, the space station with the Russian name. People, yeah. people will look at the book and go, ah, that's the one he meant. Yeah. <laughs> and where we introduce Galena, Svetlana, Kiska and Sarah. Yeah, it's all, a, it's it's, it's not strictly it's not strictly Russian. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and these oh, are yeah. the people we rescue. Absolutely, and what do we do with the rescuees? We take them home mostly. Yeah, mostly. <laughs> and I'm leaving that one there. I want people to read about that one. You know, I don't want to give away the whole thing. I want people to read about that one so i am no i didn't do anything to him i just welded the door shut <laughs> yeah and then they go yeah. on another rest they go on another rescue mission after, yeah. after uh, they've introduced these four characters and they've ingested them into this group this group dynamic and that mm-hmm. these people have started filling roles and basically helping you know improve this 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 world they've created on the moon they go on another rescue mission and they bring on back a whole heck of a lot of people, including, mm-hmm. and this is from the Leeway Orbital Habitat, including Peng, one of my favorite yep. characters to be introduced later on. And of course, Edwin Andrews of the Philadelphia Andrews. Not to be uh, yes, of the, of, the, of the Philadelphia Andrews. Andrews. Yes. <laughs> and and because the, the funny thing about Leeway Orbital Habitat is it's a place where people go to get better you know, generally older people. Because it's it's, it's a retirement. It's a retirement home in orbit. That's yes. basically its major function. Yes. Yeah. It's also a little bit of a resort, a little for like people with a lot of money who want to just, you know, go into orbit and say they've been in space. The moon yeah. is way farther out, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, hey, you know, we can build a space station pretty easy. We just yeah. launch the components and stick them together. We've done that already, you know. But still, yeah. What do you do? We, we're 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 building a base on the moon. A little bit more effort, but still, hey. Yeah. 
And in doing this, and this is the part where we go back to the human side, and this is what I loved about what you did. In yeah. introducing these characters, you've introduced, you, you brought staff along like Peng, who worked yep. the place and made sure that it ran. And then you introduce people who are basically vacationers, don't really or, have or much to offer. Vacationers, or, retirees, people who yeah. have, have skills that are not appropriate to space. So uh, what did you do? I was a financier. So you were rich. Yes. Great. Now that we've had the now that we've had the apocalypse, what useful skills do you have? Right. Uh, nothing. <laughs> I, now, by the way, for dinner, I would like hold it back up. No, no, no. Here's your tray. What am I supposed to do with this? Hold it out so they can slop food on it, and you can keep walking along, sir. This is a cafeteria. Had to... Cafeteria? <laughs> yes, because we don't deliver to your room. There isn't a menu. You take what we serve. It's the apocalypse, buddy. <laughs> and the fun thing is, is that up to this point, you've had, you know, before we introduced these folks from Leeway, everything is running pretty well. I mean, still, you're, as you, you pointed out, the population is still way too low, which is yeah. fixed by bringing these people over. But you introduced some serpents into the... the, the and I, I'm, I'm stretching this by calling the Luna the Garden of Eden, but... Yeah, well, but yes. You, yeah. The, the metaphor is apt, however. You are correct. Yes, yes. And that is in uh, our little friend Edwin Andrews, who you just gave the, the other exact reason. It's like, this is what I love about this is you keep introducing all these levels of psychological fun here where, you know, each one of these characters has their own thing. We literally introduce a lawyer who is arguing points of law that no longer exist, that were blown up when the when the earth, you know, basically annihilated every person there. Yeah, yeah, and yeah you don't you, points of law. You, you don't like it. Take it up with a higher court. Uh, yeah, congratulations. You don't got one. I am a captain. This is my base. I am the commanding officer. You're, you're a civil, you're a civil and criminal lawyer. Guess what? You don't apply. We're a ship underway in an emergency situation. Guess what? I don't care what you think. Go sit down. You don't like it? Complain to my commanding officer back in the Pentagon. Oh, wait, is that a problem? Guess what? I don't care. <laughs> and this is where we come back to that point I wanted to make, because I want to know how you came up with this. Because while it's Carl in the book that came up with it, you're the one doing the pen to paper or fingers to keyboard. Oh, yeah, and yeah. He, he creates basically rules of law. More specifically, he decides, you know, that people are going to become citizens of Luna. They have to take an oath. I'm just going to quickly read this because I love this oath. Mm -hmm. I hereby declare on oath that I absolutely and entirely renounce and abjure all allegiances and fidelities to any foreign prince, potentate, state, or sovereignty of whom or which I have heretofore been a subject or citizen, that I will henceforth support and defend the race of mankind. I just love that part. Against, uh -huh. all, against all enemies, both in, internal and external that I will obey the orders of the commanding officer of the moon and the orders of the officers appointed over me. So it is a military base. Well, it is a military base anyway, but. Yep. And then according to the regulations and, and the uniform code of military justice, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. 
that I will bear arms on behalf of duly appointed lunar authority when required, that I will likewise perform non-combat combatant services when required, and that I will take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. This I declare by that name, which I hold most sacred. Where did you come up with this bad, beautiful thing? Because this is that, like badass. I love it. That is, believe it or not, uh, taken almost directly from the oath one takes to join the United States Navy. No, or 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 All the right. or, or the or the United States Armed Forces in general. Uh, yeah. I mean, obvious. Obviously, there are some changes that needed to be made based on this, based on you know who you're, who, what, what kind of the, the organization you're actually joining, the citizenship that you're actually gaining. But mostly, that's where it comes from, straight up. Yeah, because yeah. it's nice, and I love it, and it, it's, and it forms a wonderful organization. And this is where things that's where the serpent comes in is that we end up with a conflict between the old way that the earth was run and this new way that luna is being run and those two butt head on and that's yeah. where the the final crux and this is the part I'm going to leave out I'm not even going to get into but <laughs> this is where that final that final moment of tension comes in and this is just it's, it is what's so great about the the ending of this story because like you said You've got a lot of technological problems, as you'd expect in a science fiction story, but you've also done a great job introducing some definite human issues, and I love it because by the end, there is a lot of a human in it as well, including betrayal and Mm -hmm. unrequited love and uh, some other things as well and and uh, some and some uh, greed and desire for power. But and and let's not forget let's not forget love, true love. Yes, in a couple of cases, there was some fool love. Yes, <laughs> and 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 let us also not forget there's some uh, some uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, yeah, it will. Um, the, the captain proves to be somewhat Machiavellian in some respects, and is uh, obviously a very responsible individual, making certain that a it's not a full-on military dictatorship forever. And B, that he knows he's not going to see a new, stable, non-militaristic society during his lifetime. So he's also making sure that the succession, if you will, the, the chain of command you know, and so on, is, uh, is up to the job, if, if that makes any sense. So well, there's a there's – a, I love Captain Carl. That guy that, – that, that took a lot of hmm, skull sweat. Let me think. How would this play out? No, let's not do that. Yes, let's do this. There, there, there were some rewrites involved to get him just right. <laughs> I gotta it... believe that because Carl, he, he really does come across as. I mean, I love Max. I mean, Max is a ton of fun, but I love Carl just for the Machiavellian side to him and the fact that he's he's trying to maintain what he loved about the world that he left, but trying to make sure that there's order until this city that they're building now is stable. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I just I love the way he, th- he thinks and he spends like you said, he's got so much head sweat going on, you know, just trying to think about, you know, all the little things that need to be fixed and the things that need to be put in place to make this last forever. Yeah. One of the things I, I liked most about writing the character of Carl was that he could have gone, well, you know what? Now's my opportunity to form, quote, the perfect society. Mm-hmm. And he didn't. He said, "Okay, look, I know what worked back on Earth. 
and I know a lot of things that did not. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Rather than playing God and saying this is how it's going to be for now and eternity and all time, I'm going to keep what worked. I'm going to junk what didn't, and hopefully we'll do better the next this time around. Rather than lay it all out, this is how it's going to be. It it he kind of uh, he didn't necessarily create a democratic process to sort out how we want to rule ourselves, but instead said, look, I'm going to rule with an iron fist where necessary, and if mm -hmm. and if necessary, you will be chained to an oar. Here on my here on my galley, okay, metaphorically speaking, because you know Navy man. Um, yeah. But on the other hand, he also left enough room in the system to say, okay, look, we've reached a stable area. We've got to the point. We got enough people. Everything seems to be set up and functioning pretty well. Now that we no longer have a generation of individuals who were just wedded to the old ways. We've got a couple of generations of individuals who grew up here on the moon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, how do they want things to be run now that we no longer have the CEO calling every single shot? Admittedly, that gives them the opportunity to screw it up. It absolutely does. But it also means that we're not just – you know, uh, insects, everybody assigned to their spot, doing their thing, because that's not what humans do. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And so and because, you you know, when we talked about Dragon Hunters, we started we, we started going off on some tangents here. There was one thing I saw at the end, and I will try to do this as spoiler free as I can. But I mm -hmm. want the, re the listeners to read this book and see if they agree with me. There is almost because you do a wrap up at the end, an epilogue, which I think is absolutely fantastic. Just a side note, the, the for those for everybody who hasn't read it, the story is told from Max's point of view. OK, so he's the, he's the chief mechanical engineer for Luna for the for the Luna City wannabe. And he refers to himself as the space janitor, which gives you an idea about his sense of humor. And it's all seen through the lens of Max's point of view. OK, there are things he didn't get to see. There are things he didn't you know, know about, learned later, things like that. But nevertheless, it's a first person viewpoint. Max is our narrator. And at the end. Yes, please continue. And you see, this is why we can't tell what this part is, because Max would not know. But basically, at some point, the two part there is two ends up being two parties near the end of the book. And mm -hmm. the parties decide that there needs to be a parting of the ways. One well, party there certainly on, is. Yes. One party <laughs> remaining on the, on the moon and one party going somewhere else. And I think going <laughs> that there's potentially missed out on a second epilogue where we have this second party. Um, I think anybody at this point who doesn't think that Edwin Andrews of the Philadelphia Andrews is part of this party. Um, Ooh. Is, yeah. Well, he yeah. elected to go. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And, oh, is, You'll is, understand why that's a terrible pun later. I tr Trust yes. me. <laughs> is that you missed out a chance to have this last moment. Just It wouldn't have to have been long, just short little thing where we just do this last uh, little part with all these uh, these 
people, you know, and Edwin and it's all Lord of the Flies, because seriously, it would end up being Lord <laughs> of the Flies. No, no, I really don't think it would. I really I really don't think it would, because uh, I think the survivability wouldn't last that long. I got a point there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they, they, in, in Lord of the Flies, the kids do a pretty good job of surviving, right? True. These people won't. Not where they're going. Well, and that's because they go. live on an island, and, and there's, yeah. there's an area, an aura of survivability that the moon just doesn't have. Yep, that's absolutely correct. <laughs> I mean, it's, in it's, space, it's, it's everybody not, can it, hear you scream. Yeah, yeah. But here, no. It, it, it's not – It's yeah, they, they – I it, it would have it would have been more of a kill Kenny cats kind of thing where they start turning on each other and literally in some ways eating each other, you know, to survive yeah. until there's just the one left. And then what do you do? Well, I got alcohol bandages and suit and some local anesthetic. Time to start eating me. Ooh. <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's that's desperation. All righty. Carry on. <laughs> so, yeah. And on that note, we leave the book. <laughs> <Ta-da>! <laughs> what more do you want in a post-apocalyptic novel besides cannibalism? Self-cannibalism, yes. in fact. Yes. Well, <laughs> I, I, on that note, I'd actually like to talk about something else if you've got a few minutes. Sure, and sure. What you got? That, uh, well, you, my lucky friend, are, are sitting in a hotel room in Atlanta. Yes. Uh, at the first con that you've probably been to in a year and a half. Yes. Uh, how's that feeling, by the way? Yeah, I, yeah. Well, well, let's put it this way. I'm a writer, okay. And uh, that whole quarantine thing I keep hearing about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's just like you know. Yeah. Uh, it, what? Oh, right. Yeah, I'm not supposed to leave my house. That's a daily uh-huh. thing for you. I got that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That that's Tuesday. I mean, that's what? Uh, I'm no, not well, going anywhere. But that's not really true because. You know, you used to be able to like drag that that notebook down to the Starbucks and you know check out the barista as you were sipping your latte and do they're, that they're kind just, of stuff. They're just distractions. <laughs> and I mean, you haven't been able to do that for like 16 months. Yeah, that's and now, true. Now but... all, all of a sudden, uh, you're in like this big convention center, and they, yes. they invited you down. I know I'm a, I'm a, I'm on several different panels. Uh, I just uh, actually right before this podcast, uh, we, we, we're the recording here, uh, I was on uh, a panel called LOL Humor in Apocalyptic Literature. What the hell do you know about that? Uh, yeah, nothing, <laughs> obviously. No, not a thing. I mean, what can I say? But yeah, I mean, you know, that, that's that's the first one I had to do. I got uh, some more tomorrow and so on. Um, uh, Tolkien's trickster tropes. That kind of thing. Uh, every every panel I'm on involves, you know, how to be funny. Okay. Well, I, I, I don't know why they seem to think I'm a I'm a comedian or something, but you know what? I'm okay with that. I think but, you should uh, be okay with that. But yeah. I mean, there, but there's something like more important about that because there's there's this whole uh, flipping of the mindset mm-hmm. that uh, we've all, we're all going through right now where. There was there was this God, this this Heinleinian caves of steel kind of thing. Yes. Where where nobody touched each other. Nobody was near each other. We all yeah. talked to each other via screens and shit. And now yep. all of a sudden, uh, we're in the same room again. 
And yeah. Quite honestly, uh, how fucking weird is that? It, it it is a little odd because now the, I can identify with all the people who have you know been in quarantine all this time because again I'm a writer I quarantined before it was cool okay <laughs> um, because you know I did people need to leave me alone I need to focus on what I'm doing because I've got a whole different world I'm living in right. it doesn't right. matter right. if I'm leaving the house I'm my my Duke my my library was dukedom large enough said somebody I can't remember but uh, the point being is now that I've done that for a long time, and now I am here at Dragon Con and I'm seeing everybody. The cosplay is a little shot because of the masks that everybody has to wear. Although I will right. admit, some people have come up with some really cool stuff for the whole mask thing going on. Some really of the more cool high workarounds for that. Oh yeah, some some of the some of the more high tech uh, characters that people are dressing as have those clear full face. Uh, masks instead of the N95 ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I saw one guy dressed as um, oh Mortal Kombat, dresses in green. Uh, crap, I can't remember. But he had he had uh, like a Bane type mask on, done in the style of his character. Nice. Okay, and a lot of those things are like oh that's working out pretty well, nicely done. Okay, you know, so I I got to give him a big thumbs up. They're doing a great job for that. Um, of course, Dragon Con has uh, has its has its its uh, requirements as well. Everybody's got to wear a mask. Uh, if you uh, if you're a guest of the con or a dealer or something like that, you had to show your your proof of vaccination because they're trying to limit this thing as much as humanly possible. Knowing in advance, people are going to be rubbing elbows. It's right. going to happen. It's it's it is not as crowded as previous Dragon Cons I've been to, but it is still. Way more crowded <laughs> than six feet between every person. That's just and way not, more crowded yeah. than most people are comfortable being at after uh, yeah. sixteen months. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's more crowded than most people are comfortable with. Period. And I I, I get the feeling, and, and this is just a feeling, just based on the uh, the the you know how you, it's hard to gauge somebody's expression when they're wearing a mask, but from the eyes and the body language, you can kind of yep, yep, get yep. a get a guess i'm thinking that most of the people here are a way more comfortable with it than you would think it's like they got used to being quarantined and now they're going oh this is so much better kind of thing that's a little alien to me because again writer don't touch me i'm gonna be over here <laughs> you know it, it's a at drain the very on least, you, you're behind a table at these events and there's a two-foot barrier between you and the universe. Yeah, 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 kind of. But uh, yeah, most of most everybody else, you know, is is. Let's face it, it doesn't take a lot of work to be more extroverted than I am. Okay, but yeah, uh, good I, point. I, I got yeah, you. There. <laughs> I, yeah, I I fake it well. I can be social, but I would prefer to be sitting over here in my nice little cubicle doing my thing. You know, undisturbed, as it were. I'm disturbed enough. I don't need people helping. Okay. Yeah, you, you so, put on a good front. I'll give you that much. Thank you, thank you. I've, I've been working on it for 50 years. Good job, good job, Karen. <laughs> I've been practicing as little as possible. Anyway, but uh, yeah, I mean, Dragon Con has been enormous fun so far. I'm looking forward to more of it. Um, it is the Friday of Dragon Con, so uh, 
we got uh, Saturday, Sunday, and some of Monday. Most people, I think, are are leaving on Monday so that they can like you know get back to wherever it is they need to be for Tuesday. But um, yeah, I got uh, I got three or four more panels to do, and I know I've got something else that's on my schedule. I just have to figure out what it is. Oh, I'm also uh, showing up at the podium booth for the audiobooks uh, oh, on a regular cool. basis. Yeah, they they do the Night Lord books. Uh, that's Podium Publishing. Um, they, they they put it up on Audible and therefore on Amazon. And they got Sean Ronette to do the narration for my Night Lord series. So I'm delighted with that. Haven't got Luna out on audiobook. Uh, I didn't even know that that was really a thing when I wrote Luna. And now it's been several years. So it's hard to get that into the system like that, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it's so, a thing. So on the other end of the the convention spectrum, uh, which I missed because I, I'm a I'm 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 a freaking whore when it comes to this. There's a whole lot of uh, where there was for me uh, a, a shitload of shut up and take my money. <laughs> there uh, is oh the and, dealer rooms the, they're the huge dealer they have everything. Like oh you have no idea it no, is but I awesome. want to find out in the worst fucking way in the worst way. Oh it God. is it is awesome and awful all at the same time. That's how it, it should be. <laughs> it, it, I mean, I, I I walked past a stand full of coffee mugs, and every symbol, every every logo, every you know. It, 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 would you like a? Would you, you know the uh, the famous Mandalorian helmet? Uh huh. Fine, it's on a coffee mug. What's that? It's a Harry Potter wizarding wand on a coffee mug. What's that? Crossed lightsabers. One in blue, one in red, on a coffee mug. What else you want? It's up here. Something, anything. What? It's it's all. There's there's a stand selling the uh, what do you call them? The ultra sabers. No. They're the ones you can actually beat on people with and do the do the whole Jedi martial arts fencing thing with. There are people fighting in the dealer room over there. It's in the roped off area with these things, just as of a demo. There is. It's like, oh, you're awesome. Yeah, and there should be. This is what, this is what I have missed so dearly, so deeply. I I I collect three things. Mm-hmm. I, I I collect dust, Harley Quinns. Oh, <laughs> I I collect She-Hulks, mm-hmm. and I collect Poison Ivies. Three very good choices. I thought so. I have always thought so. And, you are correct, and, sir. <laughs> And I think, and and everybody indulges me in these. And I look around my Area 51 uh, office here. Lair. <laughs> and I I have, I have maybe, uh, 15 or 20 Harley Quinns sitting right in front of me right now. Mm-hmm. And life is good. Yeah. Life is very good. And I have vendor friends before the mm-hmm. pandemic. Who, when I would walk into a show, would grab me by the arm and go, "I've been holding this, waiting for you." <laughs> Fantastic! Yes. Oh yes, absolutely. These are my, these are my best buddies ever. So, oh yeah. You know, there's a surprise. I, 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 I've seen a surprising number of Harley Quinns actually wandering around in cosplay too. Oh, those are the best. Those are my pals. Those are my are buddies. Th- they're wonderful. Yes. And I, I've been I've been very pleased with all the cosplay that's been going on here so far. I, I miss terribly. Uh, I'll be going, I hope, to GraniteCon in a few weeks, which mm. is the, the largest convention in, in New Hampshire. 
uh, one of the largest in New Hampshire. Yeah, I've, I've been large. to I, I've been to I've been to Granite Con once. It was huge. It was wonderful. I enjoyed it greatly. I wish really? I could go this year, but my timing is but my timing and travel arrangements are all off. So. I wish you could too, and I'd love yeah. to see you there because I live maybe ten minutes away from there. And, well, uh, maybe next year. Maybe next year, and uh, it's just one of those grand, great places where anything happens. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just looking for a, a just wonderful one or two days of shut up and take my money. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 has, it has felt like that in many ways. Um, the, the dealer rooms have just got everything you could ever possibly want. Uh, I, don't, I don't generally use a notebook to, to write things down because if I have a great idea, I will either remember it or I will think up another great idea when I get in, fr get in front of my computer again. Just it's that simple. Eh, okay, whatever, you know, and so on. But not too far from the podium booth, there's a, a place that is selling all sorts of wonderful, you know, leather handcrafted knickknacks. And I wish I was a notebook person because some of those look awesome. Uh. Yes, uh, right next to the podium booth, there's a, a a coffee vendor. They're not allowed to sell food and beverages in the dealer room. But they can give away free cups of coffee How as terrible. samples of their wares. And here I am, a writer in a booth, literally capable of reaching across the barrier between and going, excuse me, could I have one of those? And getting <laughs> a cup of coffee. Oh, it's so hard to be here. I don't know how I'm coping. Well, Garen, it, so it, sounds, it sounds so freaking terrible. It sounds yes, like a horrible yes. existence. Yeah, uh, doesn't it? We'll have a uh, we'll have you back soon to have kind of a DragonCon uh, decompressing session. Happy to. And, and talk about one of your other books because there's just not enough of them, I guess. I'm working on that. <laughs> hey, listen, buddy. Good having you on the show again. Wonderful, wonderful. Glad to glad to be here. Just let me know anytime. Happy to drop in. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Our guest tonight has been the incomparably weird, funny, or, or not funny as the case may be, because we don't know why he's on all these uh, comedy and science fiction writing uh, uh, panels at DragonCon. This makes no sense at all. None, uh, the none, man, none whatsoever. The man is Garen White. The book is Luna. Uh, if, you're, if you're at uh, a convention where you can see him, check him out. Check out his books. He's a fun guy. Garrett, thanks for joining us, man. Happy to be here. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Granite Con, Plastic City Comic Con, and the Upper Valley Comic Expo. We are also sponsored by Dreamforge Magazine, a superb magazine of fantasy and science fiction, and Comic Art House. Visit Comic Art House for some of the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. And if you're looking for a really great gift book for that rapidly approaching semi-annual Fairbanks Melt Day celebration, consider a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's first anthology, My Peculiar Family, now on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. My Peculiar Family, the audiobook, is available on Audible, because I'm not sure where else you could find it. Our intro production was provided by Rob Watts. For more of his amazing stuff, just look at robwattsonline.com 
And don't forget to try the Watt sauce. We have. We love it. Our outro was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. You can find Lawrence Made Me Cry's music on Bandcamp. And a whole lot of love to Jojo and Celine. Many thanks to the gang from his booking books. Thank you, Captain Cam. This is Dome saying, Terry and Jeannie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Better things are coming, Stacy. Stay strong, Liz. So, unless it's daytime, good night, everybody. There once was a girl from Nantucket. Good night, everybody. It is.